Well, good morning. Oh, there we go. Y'all are warmed up already. I'm Christy Walker. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, I'm the fun pastor um, here. <laughs> I'm the pastor of the element um, here at St. Peter's. Um, one of the pastors of St. Peter's, and I'm just so blessed um, to be with you today. I'm so excited that you joined us um, for worship. And yes, I would love to get coffee with you, and we can have really fun conversation, Chad. Um, <laughs> Um, So we have been in this sermon series um, over the past uh, four weeks. This is our final week in our sermon series called So That, um, where we are looking at these foundational statements from the Gospel of John. So we've been looking um, at this, at the Gospel of John, where uh, the word hina, it's a Greek word, hina, um, shows up in John's Gospel 145 times. And so uh, every time that that shows up, that's translated into uh, our English phrase, so that, or sometimes just the word that. Uh, And we are looking at those different phrases, at four of those different phrases, and seeing how they align with what we would expect of healthy discipleship and holistic discipleship here at St. Peter's. Um, We do that. We look at our discipleship and kind of use a metric for our discipleship using what we call the four G's here uh, at St. Peter's. And those are gather, grow, go, and give. Um, And during this series, we've kind of been delving into each one of those G's um, one week at a time and looking at the Gospel of John and some of those so that statements that align with each one of those G's. So the first week we talked about give and um, how we saw that it, it was that we are blessed. We are blessed by God, but it's so that we can be a blessing to other people. Um, we looked at grow the second week and how uh, we press in and we, we, we dive into scripture um, and learn and study more um, of God's word so that through God's word, so that, right, we can believe and know life, right? And then uh, last week we talked about go and how um, we are transformed by the love of Christ so that we can be peacemakers in this world. And so that brings us to the last of our four G's um, to wrap up this sermon series that we hold as expectations of discipleship here at St. Peter's, and that is the last one, gather, um, which is actually the first one when we named them, um, but we kind of saved this one for last um, because it's a really good one. So we do this, right? We gather. We are the, the people, right? The church. Um, we're people that go to church, right? So we, we do this thing. Like we are the church that goes to church and we gather together. We assemble together in worship and we celebrate God. This is something that has been a weekly practice for um, really millennia, right? That we, we gather together to do this. Um, and we, we gather and we pray and we read scripture together. We remember to make God the most central part of our lives when we gather. But the question is, why do we gather, right? Why do we do this together? Like that, those are things, right, that you can do kind of on your own, right? Like I can read scripture by myself. I can pray by myself. I could sing a worship song in my car by myself, right? Like why do we do it together? Why are we called to that? Why is gathering in person together part of our practice? So in order to unpack that question today and kind of get an answer to that question today, we need to go to God's Word. So if you have your Bibles with you, I'll invite you to get those out um, and keep them handy. If you don't have a Bible with you and you would like um, a physical Bible, um, if you just raise your hand and usher will come and bring one to your chair. 
Um, if you would rather follow along on a phone or a tablet, that's also perfectly fine. Um, words are gonna be on the screen as well for you. And uh, if you don't have a Bible at home, I would love to be able to give you a Bible um, to be able to take home today. Um, I just think that that is um, something that, uh, something that we gotta all have that, that tool in our belt, right? Um, so if you don't have that or you know someone that you would love to give a Bible to, I would love to give you a Bible to give to that person as well. Um, journals are also available in the back for you at any time. Pens available as well um, for you to take notes. Um, to engage more in scripture. I always like to say um, that if, if we're engaging tangibly, then I feel like that is something that just makes our engagement so much deeper um, and it helps us grow so much deeper um, in our knowledge of scripture and our knowledge of God. So um, it, use those resources. They are there for you to use. All right, so today we're gonna be looking at John chapter 15, uh, verses 12 through 17. <clears throat> so John 15, 12 through 17. While you're turning there in your Bible, um, I want to kind of just remind us of where we are in the gospel narrative and why I think it's, it's significant for us to um, unpack these questions in, about the importance of gathering using the, kind of the context of where we are in Scripture and what it is we're talking about. So if you were with us last week, um, you might remember that the passage that we read um, it occurred in chapters 16 and 17, so right to the end of 16 and to the beginning of chapter 17 of John's gospel. And I told you last week how chapters 14, 15, and 16 are all part of this long monologue that Jesus gives um, in talking to his disciples. And then in chapter 17, it's all a prayer. The whole, the whole chapter 17 is all a prayer of Jesus to the Father for his disciples. And all of that happens right before Jesus is arrested in chapter 18 and then crucified. But before all of that, right, so if we back up all the way to chapter 13, which we read the first week of this series, right? And if you remember the first week of the series, we talked about give and we talked about uh, Jesus washing his disciples' feet, right? Um, that this is where Jesus was celebrating the Passover with his disciples. And this annual gathering of the Passover in Jewish tradition is where the Jewish people would come together and they would share a meal together and they would pray and they would remember how God has always been with them, right, throughout all of their journeys of life. But at this particular gathering, at this particular Passover event, Jesus did something a little bit different uh, because he knows that he's about to face the last leg of his earthly ministry, and soon he is gonna endure the suffering of the cross, and it's gonna leave the future of his ministry to his disciples. All right, so John's gospel doesn't actually tell us that part of the story, actually, but we know from the other synoptic gospels um, that this is where Jesus institutes what we now know as the Lord's Supper right, um, or communion, the Eucharist, right, we call it many different names. Um, John's gospel tells us about the foot washing, um, right, Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. The other gospels don't tell us that story, but they tell us about Jesus instituting the Last Supper. So we know that both of these things occur at this Passover celebration. And so this is where Jesus tells his disciples about uh, what it is that he is doing for them, what he has done for them and for the future church and what they are going to do for the future church 
through their ministry that they will continue. And he instructs them to continue this practice. All right, and we're going to come back to that um, in a little bit. But what happens next is that Jesus gives, right, the long monologue in 14, 15, and 16, and then he goes and prays for his disciples in 17. So he has this, this long time of giving his disciples kind of his final words um, before they are not going to be together. These are things that he's telling them, you have to remember these things. Remember this. If you don't remember anything else I told you, remember these things. And it's in the middle of these final words that Jesus gives a commandment to his disciples that they are not really going to fully come to realize the weight of and the meaning of until after Jesus' crucifixion and after his resurrection. And it's also going to give new meaning to that last supper that they had at the Passover celebration. And so that is where we are picking up in the story today in John 15, 12 through 17. And Jesus says this to his disciples. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I think this passage, uh, along with the gospel narrative that it sits within, helps us to understand and unpack that question, right? Why it is that we are called to gather. And I think we're going to see it in three uh, different ways. I've got uh, kind of three different ways that I want to go through. And the first is because we are friends of God. The second is because that's what love does. And the third is because Jesus teaches us too. So we're going to unpack each one of these three things. So the first one is because we are friends of God. So the commandment that Jesus gives is right in the beginning in this first sentence, right? Like right as soon as we hit this passage, we see the command in the first sentence, love one another as I have loved you, right? And then he kind of goes on to qualify this commandment and give it a little bit more detail, give a little bit more flesh to it. And he reminds them again what he's about to do and what he has already done. But what he calls them in this passage is he calls them his friends. He calls them his friends. And this is the Greek word philos, okay, philos. Um, It translates also as dear and like fondness of, like friendly, right? Um, But it also translates, uh, if you look at the very last part here, to associate, an associate, right? So associates is what he's calling them, um, as well as kind of this fuller understanding of friendship, of, of being friends. And I think in the context of this passage, and of the gospel narrative as a whole, this word really deepens our understanding of what Jesus meant here. So these disciples 
our friends, right, very much in the way that we understand uh, friendship today, right? Like they have hung out together for three years. Like they have done life together. They have shared meals together. I mean, they have done so much together. You know, you bet they had jokes, inside jokes, right? Like they, I mean, these people were together all the time. So they were very much friends in the way that we understand that, right? We choose each other in friendship typically, and there's this friendly love between us. But in this case, right, Jesus says in verse 16, he said, you did not choose me, right, but I chose you. What he means there is I chose you first, right? I chose you first. So it's a relationship, he's saying here, that God initiates with us. We are invited to just say yes to that initiation, to that relationship. And saying yes to that for us means that we love God back, right? That we share in this friendship, that we love God back. But this word philos, right, in, in Jesus' commandment helps us understand what that looks like, what that means to love God back. And part of loving God back is in worship. Our first ministry as the church, right, our first ministry as the church is ministry to God, right? We oftentimes, we hear ministry and we think like this way, right? We think going out out to other people, this, this direction, right? And that is ministry, right? But our first ministry as the church is ministry to God, right? It's, it's praising God. It's attending to God to give God thanksgiving. It's, it's praying and, and petitioning to God for uh, the things that we are, are asking for and seeing that the world is in need of, that we are in need of, right? It's, it's praising God in prayer and in song, right? It's, it's reading and studying scripture in God's word, right? It's practicing what God has showed us through the life and ministry of Jesus, which has been passed down from generation to generation, this practice. This is part of our love for God, right? But it's this transformational kind of love is what we find. That when we minister to God, right, when we we give attention to God and we worship God, right, that God is faithful to show up. Right? God promises that, that wherever two or more are gathered, I am there. Right? I am with you. Right? So God is faithful to show up when we minister to God. And the more that we do this, the more that we are made into a people who reflect God in the world. And so that transformation that happens is that we are called friends. That's the transformation. Philos, right? We're called associates. Philos, associates, okay? And that means that we are also in partnership in the work, right? And in the ministry of Jesus in this world, right? So we are commanded to love one another the way that God has loved us because that has been the work in the ministry of Jesus in the world. And because our love for God moves us to gather others to us and show them this love that we now know, right? So it's kind of this cycle that we see happen in our lives, that the more that we minister to God, the more that we worship and celebrate God together, that the more that we are transformed and then we open this invitation to others. When we gather because of our love for God, we create this space to share the love of God with one another and let that transformational love overflow from us into the rest of our lives. When we gather in this kind of love and partnership 
with God, we create space for all people to join in the gathering and encounter the love of Christ through our worship, right? That that can move other people to worship. And when we gather in the way that we are called to, right, we open the door for our neighbors. And so it's in this obedience of this commandment that Jesus gives us to love, right? Love God and love one another that we are called friends of God. And in this friendship, it's a call and a conviction to gather. So that kind of brings us to the second point, right? And uh, why we gather, why it is that we gather. And it's just because that's what love does, right? Love gathers. It's a simple claim. It's a really simple claim, but it's true, right? Love desires to gather. When we have love for one another in the way that Jesus has love for us, we want to gather, right? We, we see this in different circumstances all in our lives, but this is part of uh, the way that we unpack Scripture and the way that we know Scripture, right? Sometimes we, um, we, use, our, we use Scripture, right, as our primary resource, but also we, we rely on tradition and experience and, uh, and our just rationale, right, our reason. And this is part of this reason, right? We can just see this and through our experience, right, that we know that this is true. In joy, when we are experiences in joy, right, we celebrate marriages, right? We celebrate babies. We celebrate graduations and uh, birthdays and holidays, right? And all of those, um, they, they kind of are, are gatherings. Every single one of those, we just, we gather, right? We gather for milestone moments like this. And sometimes we just gather just because, like crawfish season, right? Like I could eat crawfish by myself, right? Easy. I could eat crawfish by myself, but it's so much better if we're going to make a big pot of crawfish and then we just feed a bunch of people and we have a party. Like, it's just so much better to do that. It's just this innate thing about being human that we love to gather. We were made to be that way. But we also gather in in other ways too. It's not just for the, the joyous things, right? We gather for lots of reasons. We gather to find support and accountability when we find ourselves in a cycle of sin and addiction, right? That's why we have um, support groups here that meet for that specific purpose, right? We gather to uh, provide space for uh, people with special needs, right? And for their caregivers to have respite, right? And we provide space here at St. Peter's for those things. We gather to find healing in grief and in hard times, like we do in grief share or divorce care, right? We gather to find healing. We gather to celebrate and honor the lives of those who have gone before us, right? We gather oftentimes in homes around loved ones in their final days. You know, I've had the inexpressible honor of gathering to pray with families over their loved ones um, as they begin the transition into the church triumphant. Um, And oftentimes family members have come and driven from very long distances to come and be there and gather together in person. And the love that is felt in those spaces, I mean, it is almost tangible, the amount of love in those spaces, because that's what love does. 
right? Love gathers. It's what it calls us to in our very being, is to be together. And it's what the love of God through Christ showed us, right? That God came in the flesh to dwell among us, to abide with us, to gather us and to gather with us because love gathers. And that kind of brings us to the third reason, the final reason why I think we see in this passage that we gather, that we see this not only in this passage, but really we see this throughout the whole gospel narrative. And it's because Jesus teaches us to do this. That's the reason. And I think that's a pretty good reason, right? If Jesus tells us to do it, I think we should do it, right? Yeah, Jesus shows us to gather. And we see it in the very life and presence of Jesus, right? And, and, and take note of that word, presence. Presence is, is being with us. Jesus came to be present with us. Embodiment is incredibly important in the entirety of God's word to us. From creation, right? Created, right? In bodies, all the way to Jesus in the incarnation, right? This is an incredibly important thing in scripture is embodiment because we are by nature, we are embodied people. We live in bodies. And so the embodied gathering of God's people is a sacred thing. When we do this, this is a sacred thing that we are doing. And it is modeled by Jesus. And I told you earlier that we were going to come back to the part of the story where uh, Jesus institutes Holy Communion, right? And so we see this in the Synoptic Gospels. Um, we, don't, we don't see this particular part of the Passover celebration in John. We see this in the Synoptic Gospels. And we also adapt our liturgy that we use that is actually written in our hymnals and in our book of worship for the United Methodist Church. Um, we adapt our liturgy for this from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, right? The very practice that Jesus taught his disciples is, is what Paul teaches to the new churches, right? And so this is probably going to sound a little bit um, familiar to you if you wor worship with us regularly, whether you're uh, worshiping in here or if you've worshiped in our traditional worship um, or maybe at another church, you probably have heard this. Um, but this is from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, 23 through 26. Paul writes this. <clears throat> he says, For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So Jesus taught his disciples, and Paul taught the early church, right, that the embodied gathering was vital to the practice of the church. And we see this in the book of Acts, too. In the book of Acts, the earliest church gathered daily because they knew that 
discipleship, like this holistic discipleship that, that encompasses every area of our lives, that kind of discipleship was the most effective when we gather with other believers. And it's what Jesus taught us to do through his own life and death and resurrection, right? He said to his disciples in John 15, 13, he says, no one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus gave everything, right? Everything, not just in his crucifixion, right? But from the very incarnation, he gave everything for his friends, right? Which is us, right? That includes us now. It's the divine and and humanity became intertwined in Jesus so that we may be gathered together as one with him as he is one with the Father. And he taught us to give of ourselves in the embodied gathering like he did. Right? And we say this in our communion liturgy um, that, that we don't always use the traditional exact uh, traditional liturgy here, um, but I know that you've heard it in this space as well, um, that we have uh, a slide up here that kind of shows you some of the traditional liturgy of, if we want to move to the next slide, you got it? Slide, got it? Is it up? There we go. We got it. Okay, there it is. Right, so it says, And so in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving, and pay attention here, as a holy and living sacrifice. Right, We offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Right, And then we all say those words. So we are called to this kind of sacrificial gathering in communion with Christ because we now partner with Christ and with one another in his ministry of transformational love, right? Jesus embodies the very commandment that he gives to us and we seek to embody it every day and keep it central in our gatherings. Love one another as I have loved you. It's what the table reminds us, right? It's when Christ instituted this for the church, it reminds us of this every time we do it. It's why we celebrate an open table, right? And invite all people to come who seek to know Christ. It's why we serve one another communion. It's, we don't just leave it up here for you to come and take it. Right? It's something that we get to give and offer to one another, this grace that we are partnership in, we're associates of, right? We're friends of God to offer this gift to one another. It's a gift, and it's the gift of gathering together. So to recap, right? We gather because we're friends of God, and because love gathers, and because Jesus taught us to. But we also gather so that something else happens, right? There's a cause and effect at work. Every time that we press more in to one of these four Gs, right, there's a so that that comes along with it. And the so that that comes along with gathering are these three things. The first is that we are more transformed in our friendship with God. 
It means that the more that we carve out space in our lives for worshiping God with other believers, the more that we create space in our own lives, in our own being, right? In our being to give God our full attention. We, we gather together, we give ourselves like an hour on Sunday morning, but that hour, I mean, it's like the Holy Spirit is at work because we are, we are here, we're attentive. We're attentive to the work of God. We're attentive to what it is that God is speaking to us and calling us to. And so that begins to grow in our lives that we desire more of it and we are more transformed in our friendship of God through it. We grow in our love for one another that we get to witness the diversity of the kingdom of God when we gather together. That's why we don't do this alone, right? We get to understand why it is that we are called to unity and what that truly looks like, that we serve a triune God, right? A God that exists three in one. Like it's not, it's not a, a singular thing here that we do. We are created by a God who exists in relationship and we are called to that relationship in our lives. And when we gather together and grow in our love for one another, we, we hold each other accountable. We hold each other accountable in whatever it is that we are walking through in our lives and the ways that we are being refined by the Spirit in our lives. And when we gather, we, we gather together and rejoice with one another in our joys and we grieve with one another in our sorrow. That we get to live and walk in life together and in love together. And we create shared space when we gather to welcome our neighbors, right? We gather so that this space is created to welcome in more people. Then in our gathering, we open the doors for others to gather too, right? That includes our kids too, guys. Like our kids get to see what this looks like and how we are called to be a body the body of Christ. And we learn to replicate this kind of space in the rest of our lives the more that we press into it. What's interesting about this commandment is the last thing that I want to just say is that, that this commandment of loving one another, it's interesting because what we see is the anticipated result of following the commandment, right, is, which is so that, it's the so that statement in this passage. And in verse 12, right, it shows us the commandment itself. We have in the beginning to love one another as I have loved you, right? And then at the end, we get that so that statement, that hina statement um, that we've been looking for. And it just says this, I'm giving you these commands so that you may love one another. So love is the command and love is the result. Friends, the goal of love is love. It's so easy, right? It's so simple. The goal of love is just love, just more love. And I am convinced more than ever that love leads us to each one of these four Gs. That's why love is in our mission statement, connect the world with God's love. That's why that's a central thing for us. And each of these four Gs continues to lead us there all the more. Because love gathers, love grows, love gives, and love goes. It's what love does. By pressing into each one of these, 
all the more we deepen our discipleship with Christ and reflect him more in this church family and in the world. I am thankful, friends, for the ways that we have had this space, this place, this community to gather for the last 46 years. It's a long time to be a space where people can come and worship and gather, grow, go and give for 46 years. And it's because of the discipleship of the people who have walked before us and committed to gather and grow and go and give together, right, for the mission of connecting the world with God's love that this place is still open for us to do it today. Over the last four weeks, we've had different groups of people um, come and kind of make their, their commitment to how they are, are going to give of their financial gifts towards the mission uh, and the ministry of this local church. And we've seen them come up, right, and bring their estimate of giving cards up to the altar. Um, and in a few minutes, we're going to get to celebrate communion together, something we do in this space every week. Right, we'll get to celebrate communion together. And when you come forward, I want to give you the chance um, to come up uh, when you come up for communion and to give your estimate of giving right here on the altar, that this, this bowl is, is for you um, today, that you would make your commitment to be part of this faithful foundation that we are building now for future generations to have this space to gather in love for God, and love for God's church. Friends, when we gather and we grow and we go and we give, we do it in love, not out of obligation. We do it in love. And as we press into each one of these four Gs, we learn to love God and love one another all the more. So I pray that you would choose to press in now, so that this church can continue connecting the world with God's love far, far into the future, so that generations from now, this would still be a place where all who gather here may know the love of God. May it be so, friends. Let us pray. God, we thank you and we praise you that you are present in every one of our gatherings in your name. That you promise this in your word. That it doesn't matter what the size of our gathering is or where it is that we gather or what time we are gathered or what the worship sounds like, that you are there and you are here. And truly, God, that is all we want. That's all we desire is just to be gathered with you, to experience the overwhelming joy and peace and love that comes from gathering your people and worshiping in spirit and in truth. So God, we ask that you would bless this gathering. Would you pour out your blessing on this church and on these people that we might be united in your spirit, that we might be your friends and associates in this world to continue to make this a place where all people who gather here know 
your transforming love. I pray this in the holy and powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.